Ladies and gentlemen, he hasn't been here in a little while. He's a guest speaker all the way from the thriving metropolis of Cedarville, California. Population 11. He is our very own Pastor Joshua Alejandro Rivas. It's just another great example of how awesome theme music makes perfectly normal human beings seem. <laughs> so I just really believe that we should be able to carry our own theme music. And I think someone should in invent an app where you just do that. You just have your own theme music. You put in some of the unique parts of your personality and you just hit it anytime that you want to make an entrance. And there it is. Someone is going to invent that. It's going to happen. That is going to happen. I'm, I'm a little echoey, and I'm going to just keep talking. This is actually on me. Robert is a genius, and I love him dearly, and I have done him a great disservice because I was supposed to come in and do a sound check so you didn't have to listen to what is actually turning out to be the sound check <laughs> right now. So uh, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Well, I want to start by just thanking you, my wonderful family, uh, for affording... Karen and I, uh, this last month, to go and be refreshed and recharged. And um, it was just tremendous. Um, we did not leave and take some time because we were in crisis or anything like that. Uh, but we just had this sense, and the team, we had been talking to the team, they had been talking to us about uh, taking a time apart and being refreshed, and it just worked out perfectly for that calendar date. And so for this last month, we have actually been mostly at home. Um, I took a small two-day trip with my little brother, Seth, and we took a trip together to Portland for two days. But other than that, we were actually home, um, just hanging out and being refreshed. And what was beautiful about this time, um, really, was taking time to uh, what, what turned out to be just kind of not carrying the emotions of anyone other than our own family. And uh, we're so honored and blessed to get to be a part of this big family. Uh, because what we get to do is we get to rejoice all the time because there's always something amazing going on in one of your lives. But then as soon as we get done rejoicing, we turn around and then somebody else is having like a major crisis. And that's like the next meeting, you know? So it's like, yay, oh, yay, oh. And, um, and we realized that uh, that can kind of sometimes end up, if you don't uh, do it properly, um, to have an accumulative effect of having a sense of, oh my goodness, there's always something uh, impending, coming. And, um, and in this last month, the Lord really just uh, spoke to both of us in reminding us to leave that in his hands. He's a really good dad. And weep, you know, the Bible says, weep with those who are weeping, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Um, but as it turns out, after they leave, don't keep weeping. And uh, we were kind of messing that part up because we really do dearly love you guys. And so you would leave and we'd be like, oh my goodness. And so we'd, let's just hold our breath until that happens and get, they get breakthrough. And so, yeah, that was, a, that was a bad strategy. What do you think, Karen? We decided that was a bad strategy. And so we have decided now to start praying for you when you come. That was a joke. This is not working. 
Of course we were praying for you. But we are, uh, we are just so blessed, and we do want to let you know what an honor it is to be a part of this house and to get to rejoice with you in your, in your greatest moments and to get to grieve with you as you do go through the things that we all face, and we're so honored to do it. So thank you for giving us some time to refresh so that we can continue to do the ministry with all of you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to start with some prayer. Father in heaven, I love you. This family loves you. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our time. You're worthy of all glory and honor. And I ask today, Lord, as we look at the word, as we examine your word, your direction for how we're to live, Lord, may it be more than just, um, well, words. But Lord, let it resonate in our hearts. Your word is living and active, so may it trim the things that need trimmed. May it sharpen the things that need sharpened, and may it completely cut out the things that have been hurting us, and may your word establish us, Father, that we can continue to extend your kingdom here on this earth as you've commanded us. We ask this in Jesus' name, according to your Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I'm going to, um, I, I get the glory and the, and the joy of following Pastor Jason, who just did an amazing job, by the way. I got to listen to all of your podcasts um, of the messages that, uh, that you brought, and uh, just so enjoyed it. I so honor you and Sarah, and I'm so grateful for, for what you bring, and uh, man, truly, I, I love you. I, I like working with you. I, I was really worried that I was going to get a letter and a severance check, actually. I was like, man, that is going to hurt a lot. You know, it's like, well, it turns out things are better. <laughs> So praise God. Thank you for that as well, to, that you didn't send that letter. So um, we are right now going through our core beliefs, our core values of what we as a tribe believe and hold on to. And we're, we're articulating it because it's, um, it's so vital that we do understand how does, this, how does this kingdom thing happen and how do we do it? What are the particulars? What are the, what are the specifics of how we move together, how we establish the kingdom on earth, how we operate as people? What is, what is God's normal for us? What are our marching orders? When Christ Center comes together, what are we working on? And, and why do we do that thing that we do? Is there a reason behind it? And the answer is yes. And so we've been going through this journey with each other um, to articulate some of those core values. And so Jason spoke, and we've been speaking about the church, and Jason spoke last week about the church as God's family on earth, which was amazing message. And so today I'm going to talk about another um, uh, understanding of what we as the church are to do on earth. I'm going to do the second part of that, and that is that the church exists to glorify God on earth. That's one of the things that the church does. The church is a family. First and foremost, so that means a whole lot of things. We, we operate as a family. We operate out of relationship. We're interdependent. And I don't need to preach Jason's message again. He did a fantastic job. But that, it's, it's vital that we start with that because if we were just to say, well, the church just exists to glorify God on earth, well, that's not as articulate as it would be if you don't start with the fact that God is a good father, right? Therefore, we are a family. And so the church is a family on earth. Now, what does that family do? Well, that's where I get to come in here and talk to you. That family exists here on earth to glorify God in the earth. And in fact, the word says not only do we glorify him on the earth, but we also glorify him in heaven. So it's an amazing, all-encompassing, all, all I can't think of big enough words, but it's happening both in what we see now and what we will see. 
And that's what we're getting to do. So I want to talk to you today about just that. And then next week, we'll talk about the church works together to extend God's family. Um, so I'm starting with Ephesians chapter 3. I'm in the uh, New King James Version if you want to follow, around, uh, follow along in your Bible. But otherwise, I'm just going to read it to you. So it'll be up here and you can read it there. This is Paul speaking to the church. He's speaking specifically to the church in Ephesus. But he does go in the beginning of his letter and he says, but this is for all believers. So this is to us. This is, the apostolic, this is an apostolic letter to us as the church talking about the mystery of the gospel and of the kingdom. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I want to just, I want to touch on that for just one moment before I go on. He just said that the manifold wisdom of God, God's plans, desires, design, the mysteries of God, this beautiful picture of this incredible God. We've already been talking about the Father, so it's him we're talking about. And the manifold wisdom of God, his plans, are to be shown and known to principalities, to angels, to rulers by the church. God has chosen that we would actually demonstrate in who we are through what we do, how we act, how we love, how we live. He wants to glorify himself through that. And actually through the way that we're doing this, that is how God has chosen that the manifold of wisdom of God would be shown. Pretty big stuff. It's, it, I, I think, honestly, it's such a big concept. I think for most of us, when we read that, we're just sort of like, well, that, you know, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. Good. Well, good then. But I want to unpack this a little bit. The manifold wisdom of God is to be shown through the church, through us, the ecclesia, which means the called out ones, the set apart ones, how we live, how we love, how we roll is how God wants to show his manifold wisdom, not only just to other human beings, but also to the angels, to the principalities. They're looking at what we do and learning things about God when we live in, in, in line with the revelation of the Father. Pretty heady stuff, isn't it? Let me continue. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We just prayed for that this morning. Lord, fill us again with your spirit. Fill us together with the fullness of God, according to what, God, what Jesus has done for us, 
Now he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So his prayer is, All of these things, all of these promises, all of the desires of God, the glory of God, the fullness of God, that that through Christ, his glory be in the church for all generations. So what's the point? The church exists to bring glory to God on the earth. Would you agree? He wants to actually show his glory through us. And that that sounds awesome, but I, for one, sometimes find that sort of challenging to go, okay, well, that's, I mean, first of all, yes, yes, yes. How, 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 how? What would that look like? Does anybody identify with that at all? Thank you, me and Sam and Jessica. And, and my new friend, we are the three honest people in this room. No, you guys are just smarter than us, I guess. It turns out you guys are in the dunce corner with me. Um, how does that happen? What would that look like? How do we glorify God in all of the earth? And I want to talk to you about a couple ways that that happens. One of them we began with. Um, this is Ephesians 4. Actually, I'm going to get back to that. There are three main ways that we do this. The first one is that the church exists to glorify God on earth through worshiping God. Worshiping God is the premise. It's the foundation. It's the place where all of this begins. You see, we worshiped God today. We worshiped him through song. We worshiped him through showing up in this house. We worshiped him, some of us, through movement we worshiped him through the reading of the Psalms as, as, uh, as Awino stood up and, and read the Psalms. We sang the Psalms. A couple of those uh, songs that we sang are actually an adaptation of the Psalms. The rocks crying out. All of creation speaking of the glory of God. When we come together like this, we worship him together. The Bible commands us that you worship the Lord. In fact, it says that the Father desires that his worshipers would worship him in spirit and truth. The word also goes on to say that when we worship him, he inhabits the praises of his people. He, He actually fills the praises of his people. He comes and dwells with us when we gather together in his name. There's there's a corporate blessing that's released when we when we come together like this. That's one of, the, one of the key reasons why we must come together and, and join and worship him one with another because when we do, there's a corporate blessing that cannot be replicated in any other place. I'm not antagonistic to podcasts and, 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 and uh, all the other things that are available now, but that doesn't bring you into a place with others where we together are worshiping him and he fulfills that, that, that promise that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so, so we come together, we worship him in that way. The other way that we see that we bring glory to God is in practicing thanksgiving. We actually do that through worship. It's a part of worship. It comes out of worship. We understand that everything that is, everything that exists, was made by the Father through Jesus Christ. 
And so unlike our, um, our, our, our humanist or secular brothers and sisters out there who deny the existence of God and believe that we simply exist because we have the will to, that we've, we've, we've evolved from nothing, we created ourselves by our own motivations and desires, and we're just continuing on, getting better and better and better, evolving towards something according to our own power. Well, we actually reject that idea, and we say, no, God created us in his image for his own glory, that we would know him, that we would love him. And so that brings us immediately to a place of thanksgiving. And we live that. We practice thanksgiving. We actually say, Lord, as the Psalms say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the breath that I will breathe. You actually gave it to me. And I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I think I'll have another. (laughs) We understand that everything that exists is held together in Christ. And so we are consistently coming back to that place of thanksgiving. And it, and it shapes the way that we think. It shapes the way that we reason. It causes us to live with gratitude. And lastly, we live as a contrast community. And, the, and, these, and these are built upon each other. I'm going to spend most of my time today actually talking about worshiping, worshiping God. I don't have time to be able to preach on each of these headings. They're pretty huge. Um, we will continue to come back And you'll hear a lot about these themes and you've already. But today, uh, living as a contrast community, they all come out of worshiping God. You see, when you and I live according to the, the relationship, the reality, the commandments of God, it actually immediately causes us to be a contrast community in several different ways. It, because of what we do. I mean, I just used the example of the philosophical thought behind how many live. Many people live from a point of reference that we essentially uh, happened by accident, and now by virtue of our, of our being the fittest, we continue to survive because we're the fittest. There's a whole philosophical backdrop that comes from that that causes me to think and reason and act in a certain way. Kill or be killed. But if I believe that I'm created, I immediately treat power and money and sexuality and manners and thought all in different ways that immediately will contrast with a lot of the mindsets that we see for those who adhere to a different philosophy. Does that make sense? And where does that start? Where does it begin? It actually begins in worship. As I mentioned earlier, God commands us that, that or he, he speaks to us and says, my father, Jesus said, my father desires worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we actually worship him in spirit in, after the design that he is, after the way we've been designed, we're made in his image, and in truth. So we're not just making it up as we go. And, and as we're doing these things, the amazing part of this is it brings glory to God on earth. As we worship him, it brings glory to God on earth. And, and uh, so, so I want to unpack this a little bit because I just laid out a lot, didn't I? Are you guys enjoying yourselves yet? You look a little warm, and I promise I'm going to end on time today because we have to go eat brisket. And the Lord is good. In fact, I promise that if you guys will make a way that we can have some kind of a barbecue after church every Sunday, I will never go past noon again. So I'm just putting that out there and meet you in the middle. 
The church exists to glorify God on earth. How, how could that be a consistent reality? How, how would we unpack that? How does that move from simply information to, in, to inspiration, to transformation? Well, when we worship God, and we know that we're commanded to worship God, we begin to see that everything that we do can be done as worship of God. We begin to understand that everything that we do, everything that we touch, when done as worship unto God, suddenly we begin to realize that every time we worship God, he's glorified in the earth. Every time I do something as worship unto the Lord, it creates blessing. The first commandment is that you love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the first commandment. What is that? And worship him only. I worship him. I love him. I emulate him. I, I meditate on him. I connect with him. I behold his beauty and his, and his law and his statutes and the glory of who he is and his personality and his character. And when I do that, when I do that with all of my heart, when I worship him, when I set my hand to something and I say, Lord, I will do this in line with who you are. I will do this in line with what you love. I will do this with the, with the ethical backdrop of what you command. And I do this because I worship you. The way that I do this is shaped because I'm doing it now as worship to you in line with who you are. Because how can I worship someone if I do it in a way that doesn't line up with who they are, right? I, I'm, if I'm, if I'm, that, that, that point stands on its own. I'm not going to expound. So when I do things according to God's glory, according to who he is, what it does as I worship is it creates a glory that others can see. And do you know this? When you worship God, which is the first commandment, the blessing that's created, when we do this, the blessing that's created by doing all things as worship unto the Lord is it immediately creates the second commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. The first commandment, as we do it, creates the second commandment. It fulfills the second commandment. Doing God's, God, doing God's will, God's way in all things always creates a blessing. And that blessing that is created fulfills the second commandment. I've said it about six times, but it's because it's kind of, it's like, oh, it sounds kind of cool. Is that really true? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. One of the translations of that face of the deep is that the Spirit of God was, it says everything was formless and void. The Spirit of God was hovering, one of the words is chaos, was hovering over the chaos. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And then he goes on, and he takes from chaos, he takes from formless and void, and he creates beauty and what is good. And he creates balance. He creates night and day. He creates seasons. He creates us, and he says, behold, it's very good. 
So everything that God does is good. And when he created us in his image, he went further and said, it's very good. That's my girl. That's my boy. <laughs> you are very good. Church, you are very good. I created you very good. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cultivate what I created. I want you to worship me only. As you worship me only, as you do all things as worship unto me, it will create blessing in this earth. It will glorify me. What does the word say? It says that they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father who's in heaven. Who said that? Jesus. They will see the way that you love one another and they will know that my Father sent me. When the church acts as the church is called to act, when we are who he calls us to be, meaning that we live according to who he is, the blessing that is created brings glory to God. Let me, let me just use a couple of examples. I feel like this... When I recognize that I've been called to worship God in everything that I've done, it changes the way I do everything. Suddenly, if it's true that I can worship God in everything that I do, then everything that I do becomes valuable. It is the trick of the enemy to try to deceive us into extremism. You see, he wants us to continue to believe that some things are secular and some things are holy. Some things are worthless and some things are really, really valuable. Some people are worth your time and some people aren't. You see, you see where that extrapolates? What he wants us to do is to either believe that nothing matters... You know, well, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you can do that. It's fine. I mean, other people don't agree with it, but it's okay for you because nothing really matters, right? Or he'll try to get us on the other end where we're very legalistic and everything matters, but, but there's like condemnation mixed in it with like, you better do everything exactly right or your father's not going to like you anymore because you're breaking the rules and you're not, your heart's not in the right place. And remember, so it's, it's a legalism on the other side of everything matters, but it, it, it almost matters too much. But you'll notice they're both extremes, aren't they? I've heard it said that all extremism is from the devil. That statement has made me think a lot. Because I, I still don't feel like I can fully agree with that. It's such an extreme statement. <laughs> but but I ha it, it really has made me think. Because in the garden, God made everything really good. And he gave them a job to cultivate the garden. But he also gave them a day off. He gave them day, but then he also gave them night. You know, he, he gave them work, but then he gave them sleep. You just look at it. Everything God does is so balanced and gorgeous. It's just exquisite. You look at the way he created the, the whole universe, and it's all in balance. You got food for the birds. You got food for the fish. You got food for the animals. You got rain. You got spring. You've got winter. You got, it, it's balanced. 
It's so beautiful. It's so interdependent. Everything about what he's created is so interdependent. In fact, the, the Bible even says that all of creation speaks of the glory of God. And we're part of creation. We're the crown of creation. We also speak of the glory of God. But we live this beautiful, balanced life that he's given us. So, so I think when we look at the scriptures that way, then we can look at a statement like that to say, all of this extremism is from the devil. When we hear statements that, that cause us to be never resting, then we can go, well, that's, that's not quite right. And when we hear statements that cause us to be always slacking, then we can go, well, that's also not quite right. I never, I never work. I never apply myself to anything, you know, quote, because of the freedom of Jesus. It's like, well, you're taking it into an extreme. But if everything can be brought into subjection to Christ Jesus and made into worship, which I believe we're seeing the scripture says, and I believe we see that in the canon of scripture, then that means that everything matters. Not in an exaggerated legalistic way like the enemy would desire that we live, but nor are we trapped in this, in this trying to decide what matters and what doesn't all the time. And so we begin to understand that everything that we touch is brought into submission to Christ Jesus and we turn it into worship. And so therefore, when, when, um, when I come home to a beautiful home that my wife has prepared for me, and she comes and she hovers over the face of the chaos that my daughters and I left unattended create, and she says, let there be light. We have a rule in my house. I cannot have more than three pairs of shoes out. The minute I hit three, it means go put them all away. Now, I'm allowed to have two out because it is my house. She's like, it's your house, and I realize you're going to drop a pair of shoes over by the back door because you're in the middle of a project. So you can do that. And you can even have the shoes that you wore home, and you set them somewhere. Usually there's this little, we have a little bench. Put it under the bench. That's fine. But once I hit three, she's like, well, now you're just disrespecting me. That's a little balance that we've worked out in our family. But you know what? When I come into our home, my wife has created an atmosphere of heaven in my home. And, and when I come into that home, she has taken from all the things that happen. Because you guys know we live in an earth that tends towards disaster, right? Second, second law of thermodynamics. Things tend towards decay. They tend towards disaster. So we, created in God's image, we come and we worship God in everything that we do. And do you know what we create when we worship God in everything that we do? We create order. We create beauty, just like God came and created beauty in the very beginning. As we worship him, Lord, you are so valuable. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. This space that I'm in charge of, God, how can I worship you in the midst of this space? And I begin to imagine what would bring glory to my, to my father in that space. And so my wife says, this wall should be a, a darker, warmer wall than the rest of these walls so that when you walk in, there's warmth in this room. And you walk into that room, and you know what? When you walk into my dining room, you will feel the warmth and the pleasure of a house that was created to host you. And it resonates the glory of God. And you will walk into our home and you will feel welcome in our home. Not just because we say welcome, but because my wife set our home up to welcome you. And when you walk into our kitchen, everything is put away and it's clean. And you look at it and you go, I would eat off of these surfaces. 
and it makes you feel loved. That was a blessing that was created by my wife worshiping God through the very, very daily things that she does. But her worship of God created a blessing that you will enjoy. And I'm not being cute. I mean, I am cute, but I'm not trying to be cute. There's another way that, that's beautiful. Have you ever, I, I've used this one before, but that it's because I feel like it's one of the most blasphemous things that can happen. And that is to eat a meal that someone who doesn't love your food prepared for you. It's just blasphemy. I'm kidding. But have you ever eaten a meal that someone has created as they take the elements that God has created and with gratitude, they actually say, you know what's going to bring this out is this. And you know what, if you, if you get this to this temperature and you sear it just right, the, 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 the flavor is going to stay inside. You're going to have this great texture. And I'm going to make sure I serve it to you at this temperature because that's when you're going to get the optimum satisfaction out of the blessing of this food. I'm taking these things that were created, I'm putting them together in such a way that it will bless the person that receives it. And how many of you have eaten food that makes you say, oh, praise God? Come on, just raise your hand. Yes, exactly. And how many have, you know, eaten food that makes you say something else? <laughs> now, these are small examples, but, but I, I, I actually picked small examples because the reality of it is, as we worship God in everything that we do, we actually do become a people of gratitude. We thank him for everything that we do have, and we steward it. The Bible says if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. There are many of us here that we're, we're, we, 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 we want to glorify God in the earth, and we're like, well, if I was just president, I would glorify God in the earth. If I, if I just had more influence, I would, I would glorify God more. No. No, you, you won't. The Bible says if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. What does your living room look like right now? Did you know that the patience that you have with your child is worship to the Lord? Because in that moment when your child comes in and does that thing that children do, and you go, oh, then in that moment, your choice to worship God is to say, Lord, God, thank you for this child. And I just want to remind you that they're yours. <laughs> and I thank you for them, but you're the one that gave them to me. Which, by the way, that means they're yours. So how would you like me to respond to your child right now? But you know what that is? That's worship. And you know what it creates? It creates a blessing for that child because instead of me responding out of just whatever I would respond out of, I've actually submitted myself to the Lord in that moment. I've actually worshiped him. You know the saying when people say, do you fear the king? It means do you worship and revere and stand in awe and fear of that king? Do you care more about what he thinks than what anybody else thinks? Have you pledged your life unto death, unto that king. That's what it means. Well, we fear the king. He's the one we care most about. When a situation arises, the first thing that comes into our mind is, Holy Spirit, how shall I respond? Dad, how am I going to respond to this? Because I fear you, king. I worship you, king. I want to bring you glory in this situation. And I realize that every situation counts. And so therefore, Lord, is this enough salt? We were back to the cooking. I don't know if you noticed that. 
How many of you are getting this? Is it, is it, is it encouraging? Because my prayer today and, and, uh, is that we would be encouraged that everything matters. Not that everything's counting against you. No, that's, that's, that's extremism. That's the devil. That's legalism. I'm talking about a relationship where we begin to understand that as we worship God in all things, it's the first commandment. I love you, Lord, and so therefore, how can I make this next sales call? I love you, Father. How do you want me to organize my garage? I'm glorifying you as I bring organization to this space so that when I come into it next time, I will call down blessings from you instead of curses and then have to repent. It's just nobody else has felt that. Okay. So the, but we begin to bring all things that are under our influence into subjection to Christ Jesus because we worship him. It actually ignites your imagination. I specifically didn't want to use a whole bunch of examples because I didn't want to make it so narrow that you're like, okay, if I'm cooking or cleaning my house, then I need to worship the Lord. I didn't hear anything beyond that, so we're good. No, because you're all, you, you have influence in places. And the first part, that place that you have influence is, is right here in this body. Do you know that it brings glory to the Lord when you take a shower and make yourself beautiful? Yeah, you're worshiping the Lord. This is the temple that you've given me, and I'm going to care for it. You should, see, you should hear my daughter in the shower. She's not here, but she would love this. Singing, taking all the hot water. She worships the Lord more than all of us in the shower. But you know what? That girl emerges, and she's got everything just so. And you know what happens when I see that beautiful girl when she emerges? Comes out, hair's done. She took clothes and put them on a certain way. And her face is all gorgeous and lit up, lit up and, and she's done the makeup the way she likes it at the moment. And I just, when that girl comes out singing as always, then I give glory to God. And you know what happens? Everybody that sees my daughter that day, you know what they do? They go, <laughs> the Christians go, my God. And the unbelievers go, my God. But regardless, <laughs> God's getting glory. I'm going to get emails about that one. <laughs> worship of God always has a byproduct, which is the creation of blessing. We don't worship God simply to create blessing. We worship God because he's worthy. We worship God because he commands it, but he only commands it because he's worthy. And he knows that as we worship him, we become like him. Is that okay? Yes, because we're his sons and daughters, and he wants us to act like him. He doesn't want us to become God. He wants us to become God-like. And, and so we worship him. And as we do it in every area, it shapes the way that we do business. It shapes the way that we eat. We actually, did, did you guys know I, I had to start making, oh, I told you guys this, but I began to worship the Lord in the way that I eat because my daughter came and said, Dad, I don't want you to get the pastor's disease. And my wife and I were like, what is the pastor's disease? And she goes, well, you know where you guys get fat and then you have a heart attack and then you die young. I was like, there's a, you, that, and I thought, that girl's got a point. <laughs> so I've changed the way that I'm eating, and I'm, and I'm bringing some cardio in, you know, it's, I want to live longer. Um, I'm really excited because Vern checked my resting heartbeat the other day, and it was like 45 beats, right? So I'm going to live to be like 103, according to this. So that's great. I've been doing it for like eight days, and it's already worked. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> What's the point? 
I actually began to worship the Lord in this place because I realized that he has things for me to accomplish on earth. And because I love him, I've decided I need to love food a little less. No, no, I need to love food a little more, but a little less often. And that's what I've begun to do. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm actually bringing this appetite into worship with, to God. And you know what it's creating? Because here's the other part is that God reminded me, I've created you to glorify me in this earth. And I don't want it to be for 57 years. I want it to be a little longer than that. I'm telling you that I worship him as I eat now because I have to fulfill the things that he's called. Here's the beauty of it. As I worship him in this, the natural byproduct is that I'm going to live longer and be able to take care of my wife and my kids. Does that make sense? So everything we do has a byproduct. We don't do it to create it. It's not give to get in the sense of manipulation. It's that you give because he's worthy. But here's the deal. God has made it that every time we worship him, it always creates blessing. It just does. Blessing is the natural outcome in every area we bring into subjection to Christ through worship. When my wife worships the Lord by making our house more like the Garden of Eden than like the chaos that existed before God said, let there be light, he's glorified. She worships him in that place. She makes me worship him in that place too. She makes the girls worship as well. It's helpful. Train your kids to worship the Lord. It will help in this area. This means that everything we do matters because everything we do is to be accomplished as worship. This means everything is valuable. It means everything matters. It means for those of you that love sports, you should give glory to God while you watch them. It also means that because everything matters, that sports aren't the only thing that matters. And so there should be a time when you stop watching them. I know, it brings balance. It's kind of hard, isn't it? But we talked about that, didn't he? He gives you the work week, and he gives you days off. He gives you day, and then he gives you night. And we worship him in all things. Everything matters. Will we? Will we worship him in all things? I'd say yes. So I want to just start with an, with a, um, an act, an act of obedience. And so everybody's sitting, which is perfect. And so I want you to think about this word for a minute and think, well, number one, I know a lot of you are already doing this. But for those of us that are kind of realizing, man, there's areas of my life that I, I, I have just sort of written off as not important. No need to worship him there. I've sort of designated worship as one thing and the rest of life as another. Now I'm realizing everything matters. As Holy Spirit's bringing that, I want you to make that decision. You know what? Stand up. I'm going to worship the Lord in all things. That he would be glorified in all things that are up to me. And then after you've stood up, then I want you to come on outside and let's worship him by eating brisket together. All right, I'm going to pray over you, and then I just want you to wait upon the Lord, and then whatever he brings, then stand up and then reward yourself because their worship of the Lord is about to glorify him in us. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for the wisdom, the manifold wisdom that has been shown in the scriptures and been shown in the testimony of Jesus Christ. Lord, as you came, you actually are revealing that we can worship you in all things. You're showing us that your commands are not burdensome. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Everything you ask us to do makes sense. And not only that, it creates value. So Lord, 
I ask that today we would catch a fresh revelation, that these would be more than just words, and it would resonate in everything that we do, that we would worship you in everything that we do and realize that everything we touch is valuable as we bring it into subjection to you, Christ Jesus. So help us, Lord, we ask. Amen. Love you guys. So when you're ready, you just stand right up. The brisket's straight out this door. We're going to eat together. And uh, everyone is welcome. Please, they have tons of food. So.